Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Well, we are in a series um, that will last, as far as I know, through the end of March called CL168, Covenant Life 168. And here's the premise. The premise is that the American church spends way too much time focusing on the one hour a week that we are together having church and way too little time focusing on the other 167 hours a week when we have the opportunity to be the church. And so we want to turn that that understanding on its ear. We want to be Covenant Life 168, a church that moves the needle on the work of the kingdom of God every hour of every week, not just the one hour a week that we are in church together. All right. So last week, we talked about being an empowered church, a church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we saw that Jesus always intended for his church to be a spirit-filled church, his body to be filled, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that anyone who's serious about being the church will start wading out into the deeper water of the, of the river of the Holy Spirit. And I know this is a paradigm shift, and I know this is, this is a lot to, uh, to talk about, but maybe it's a different way to look at church for, uh, for a lot of us. And I realize that sometimes it might be overwhelming. When we talk about being a spirit-filled person, there are lots of things that might pop into your head, and I don't want you to, uh, to get overwhelmed and to get frozen. Uh, what I want to do today is give you a very clear starting point. A very clear starting point. One place to begin. And, and, and here's why I want to do that. Uh, again, your mind might go to a lot of places when we start talking about being spirit-empowered. We might immediately start thinking about the gifts of the spirit. And maybe you're having a hard time understanding how that might work in a 168-hour-a-week church. You might think of the fruit of the spirit and get overwhelmed by the fact that uh, you don't have a lot of those qualities currently. Maybe you think about witnessing because we're empowered to be witnesses and maybe you're just sort of overwhelmed by that fear. So today I I just want you to set all of that stuff aside and I want us to start with one thing that all of us can do today to either begin or deepen our journey with surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And and I just want to read some scriptures and see if it doesn't become apparent to us, okay? So Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40, uh, a, a man came to Jesus and said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands, commandments. All right, let's look at John 15. 12, verse 12 and verse 17. This is the night before Jesus is crucified the next day. Uh, he said, this is my commandment. Love each other 
in the same way that I've loved you. And then just a, four, uh, just a few verses later, in verse 17, he says, this is my command, love each other. And then John 3.16, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. We could keep going on and on and on for hours, but I think you're beginning to see what I'm talking about. I hope the picture's becoming clearer. What does a spirit-filled church look like? What does a church look like who is pursuing Jesus? What does it mean to move the needle on the kingdom of God every hour of every week? How does that start? It starts with love. It starts with love. We have to develop love first. Not just love for Jesus, but the love of Jesus that he gives us for everybody else. That's where it starts. How do we become a a, a spirit-empowered church? Start with love. Start with love. Now, here's more of what Jesus had to say about it. John 13 Uh, same night that we just read about in John 15, the last night on earth, Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Please pay attention to this verse. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. If we want the world to know that we belong to God, we have to start with love. Jesus said it himself, how you love each other, your Christian brothers and sisters, will determine, uh, will demonstrate to the world that you belong to me. It's only church people who are impressed by gifts. It's just the church people. We say, hey world, look at at how spiritually gifted we are and, and come and meet Jesus. And the world goes, eh, we're okay. We're okay, because y'all can't even get along with people who claim to serve the same Jesus you do. Jesus said in the last days, we would have a, a love problem. He said the love of many would grow cold. Jesus told the churches, one of the churches in the letters to the churches in Revelation, you're doing some great things, right? On the outside, it looks good, but you've lost your first love. We have to start with love. You're like, John, what, is, what, is, what does this have to do with becoming a 168-hour-a-week church? Well, here's the deal. Jesus said, they'll know you by your love. We are never going to reach the world with logic. We're never going to reach the world with lights and sound and production. We're never going to reach the world by trying to be cool. What sets us apart from everybody else, what we have that can't be found anywhere else is the love of God demonstrated through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we'll start with love, and if we'll finish with love, we're going to be amazed at what God can do with a little church in West Georgia. If we start with love. I heard a quote this week from a retired pastor who's a a leadership guru now. His name's Kerry Newhoff from, from Canada. Um, and, he's, and I think it sums it up pretty well. He said, some people stay away from Christianity not because they don't know any Christians, but because they do. The world's watching for signs that we're operating in the same spirit that Jesus operated with when he was here on the earth. But they're not looking for gifts 
They're not looking for anything else that we think connects us to spiritual power. They're looking for the love of Christ in his people. The people who claim the name of Jesus. And until they find that, they're not looking for anything else. Because somehow the world seems to know what we've forgotten. That if we don't have love, we don't have God. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. Because love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Look at this. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. If we don't love, we don't belong to God. Period. Doesn't matter how righteous you are, how holy you are, how good you are at keeping the rules. If you don't love, you don't know him. That's why I'm telling you, we got to forget everything else. It has to start with love because if the love isn't there, then nothing else matters. God is love, so if we don't have love, by definition, it's impossible for us to have God. But if we do have love and we allow that love to flow into others, that will be, and, and this phrase is, is still messing with me. I, I don't think I've fully unpacked it, but it says if we love others, then we'll become the full expression of God's love in our lives. They'll see God through us when we love. Let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. John, I'm, I don't know about all this now. Well, let's, let's see what the word says. 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, this is the love chapter, but it's not the wedding chapter. Let me show you what this chapter is about. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, that's the gift of tongues, by the way, but don't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love, I would have gained nothing. Look at all the spiritual gifts that are identified there. Tongues, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, faith, sacrificial giving. All of those, all of those things, and by implication, all of the others as well, are nothing without love. Amen. Nothing. That's why we have to start with love. Listen, don't mistake giftedness. Don't mistake giftedness for godliness. They're not the same thing. Because a lack of love negates the spiritual gifts. Isn't that what he just said? They're nothing. They come to nothing if there's not love. We get so enamored with spiritual gifts. We elevate gifted people because of their gifts. But Jesus, Jesus wants to know one thing. How's the love level? How's the love level? You can operate legit spiritual gifts with the wrong attitude 
We got time to testify about all that? Like legit spiritual gifts with the wrong attitude and we can do so much damage we can't even wrap our minds around it. If someone is operating in, in spiritual gifts without love, Jesus is not impressed and neither should we be. Listen, I've been doing this for a long time. Next month will be 30 years of pastoral ministry. And I've learned the hard way that giftedness and godliness is not the same thing. And sometimes I've seen it in other ministers, and what I see on the platform and what, I've, what I witness across the dinner table or in the back room is not the same thing. And you know what? And sometimes I've been that guy whose gifts may have outpaced his character in that moment. I got no right to throw stones. That's not what this is about. What we need in the body of Christ are men and women who build the foundation of their lives on the love of God for themselves and for others. And as we endeavor to be a 168-hour-a-week church, we have to start with love. With love. You say, John, but a a spirit-empowered church, man, what about holiness? Like I've always heard spirit-filled people are holiness people. we got to teach people how not to lie and not to cheat and not to steal and not to commit adultery and like don't kill each other, which is always good. I'm I'm down for that. I'm good with that. So when do we teach all those things? Well, Well, listen. I'm there on holiness. I mean, I'm I'm good. We're we're called to be different. We're called to be set apart, called to be holy like he's holy. But what did Jesus say about the greatest commandment? He skipped all the others. He said the greatest commandment is loving God and loving others. And he said all of the law and all of the prophets hang on that one thing. In other words, Jesus is saying start with love. and Because if you love people, you won't kill them. Isn't that encouraging? If you love them, you don't kill them. You may want to, but you don't. If you love people, you don't lie to them, you don't cheat them, you don't take things from them, right? You don't commit adultery. Besides the fact that if you change your behavior without changing the heart, that's just religion. We don't need to teach people how to act without teaching them why we act differently now. Because we love Jesus. Following Jesus is about loving Jesus, not just obeying him or trying to act like him. You understand? If, if we can just start to cultivate love, then the gifts are effective. Our behavior towards other people will change too. Now, let me interject something here. Jesus said we have to love God and love others as we love ourselves. And and I've been saying that as we allow God's love to flow uh, out of us, it'll flow into others. But the assumption is that you actually do love yourself. We love others as we love ourselves. The assumption is you love yourself. The problem is that some of you don't love yourselves. You say, John, how do I know I don't love myself? Well, listen to the way you talk about yourself. Listen to the way you talk about yourself to yourself. Look at the way you try to tell people that God forgives sins, but you won't forgive yourself. Look at the way you tell people Jesus can heal their past hurts, but you won't even talk about your past hurts with him or anybody else. 
Look at the way you tell people Jesus accepts them, accepts everybody just as they are. But you won't come near to him in worship because you think he'll reject you. I've seen over and over and over again, because for 20 years I, I was the worship leader, and I saw, I just can't tell you how many scores of services that, man, things seem to be going great, and people are praising God, but when it drops down into the more intimate times of worship, they dry up. They draw back. Because in those moments, they're exposed. You can't worship God without being exposed. He's not going to turn you away. He's drawing you in. You have to love yourself enough to accept that what Jesus did for everybody else applies to you too. If we're going to start talking about, if we're going to talk about starting with love, let's start by accepting that God loves us just like he does everybody else. And as a matter of fact, if you don't believe that God loves you, there's no reason to tell anybody else. Because if it don't work for you, it's not going to work for anybody else. A lot of people say, I'm just not good at loving other people, when the reality is they just don't love themselves. Now, obviously, there's a ditch on the other side of that road, right, where you become the center of the universe and everything revolves around you. That's, that's not what we're talking about. You want to be a spirit-filled person? Start with love. And that starts with loving yourself or maybe more importantly, allowing God to love you. All right? Is it, is it getting clearer now what we're being called to? It's, so we talked about gifts. We've talked about uh, we've talked about uh, we've talked about loving each other. We've done that kind of stuff. But what about witnessing? Being an empowered church is about witnessing, isn't it? Well, yeah, but we don't do it out of obligation because Jesus said we had to. You you say, well, well, I'm just going to go tell people the truth. Well, Ephesians says you can't even tell people the truth unless it's in love. You have to start with love. Because listen, there's a difference in fact and truth. There's a difference in fact and truth. You can get every scripture perfect. You can be factually accurate on everything that you say. But if you don't communicate the heart and the spirit of God behind it, then you're not speaking the truth. Y'all okay? Thought I smelled smoke there for a second. Y'all okay? You can... You can you can say the right words without the right heart and it means something completely different. Truth has to start with love. Why? Because Jesus is the truth and God is love. They're inseparable. Well, I mean, what's the point of witnessing in the first place? It's helping people see that they're sinners but that God loved them so much that his son Jesus came to take the punishment for their sin. Isn't that kind of the gist of it? Helping people see the full expression of God's love through them. And that's what First John said would happen. Not if you memorize the right script, not if you said the right words, but if you just love them. Love is that important. We have to start with love. He said, John, okay, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of getting there. I hear what you're saying, but shouldn't we start with the fruit of the spirit? Shouldn't let's just start at the fruit of the spirit? Okay, well, let's look at that passage, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. 
But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against any of these things. That's a very intimidating list of of qualities that spirit-filled people should exhibit. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. I'm going to assume that many of us are not naturally really good at a lot of those things. I've heard people say, I'm, I'm kind of selfish. I'm kind of judgy. Again, not going to ask for a show of hands. I hear people say, I see people's flaws. I just notice them, man. They just flash at me. They like wave at me. I just, I see their mistakes. I, I don't know what to do about that. I, I hear people say, oh, well, I'm kind of harsh and I don't really forgive people very quickly. Quite honestly, People get on my nerves, and it's all I can do not to slap them or run over them with my car. <laughs> right? Isn't that about right for most of us on most days? We're like, I'm not really equipped for being a 168-hour church if it has to start with love because I'm doing good to behave for like that one hour a week that we're in church together with all those people. Man, we are killing this, uh, <laughs> killing this fruit of the Spirit thing, aren't we? Um, so I've got, some, I've got some good news for you. T- two bits of good news, as a matter of fact. First of all, remember what we're talking about today. Start with love. Just start with love. Forget about all the rest of it. Start with love. Love's listed first because if the love is not in place, none of the rest of that's going to work anyway. Okay? You're patient with people because you love them. You, you are kind and gentle and good because you love people. You have joy. You have peace because, because you, uh, you have the love of God to sustain you through every circumstance. So start with love, and the rest of that stuff will happen naturally. And here's the second part of the good news, the very beginning part of that verse, which we kind of skipped to get to the list. Who produces the fruit? It says the Spirit produces this Fruit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit. When you're empowered by, when you're surrendered to the Holy Spirit, He does the work in you so that He can do the work through you. You don't have to go and figure out how to manufacture love for other people. He does that in you and for you so that He can do it through you. I want to show you two places. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, uh, it's a transition verse. Start with, for we know. For we know how, how God, dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to do what? To fill our hearts with his love. Holy Spirit fills our hearts with the love of God. Look at Colossians 1 and 8. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. You see that? The Holy Spirit enables you. He empowers you to love. He fills your heart with the love that God has for you, and then that love overflows into the lives of the people who are around you. But it starts with love. So listen, don't don't get overwhelmed. Surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit to produce love in your life. And that's it. Don't worry about the spiritual gifts. Don't worry about the fruit of the Spirit. Don't worry about holiness and sin. Don't worry about witnessing. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with God's love 
to the point that it overflows into other people. And if you were raised in the church, that, that last statement is blowing your mind. Oh, don't tell people not to worry about gifts or fruit or holiness or sin. Start with love. Because if you start somewhere else, you're going to end up in the wrong place. It has to start with love. Now let's get, let's get real honest for a minute. Even if we just boil everything down to loving others, that's still hard. That's still hard, and I understand that. Part of, part of the reason a lot of us would rather just avoid people is that other people expose our worst traits. They reveal sides of ourselves that we don't like seeing, and we're too ashamed to talk to anybody about it, and we're too intimidated to try to change it. So we just avoid people, right? You put on the Christian faith face, you put on the Christian face, you come in, hey, brother, how you doing? You doing good? Hey, hey, we, don't get too close, right? Wave from afar. Don't build a relationship. For goodness sake, don't spend any time with each other because they might see past the mask. They might recognize that underneath my church facade is a real person who is just struggling to be nice to people sometimes, Right? Starting with love means admitting that you can't love people on your own. Can we all say that? Can we all just kind of say that to ourselves? I cannot love people on your own, on my own. Maybe like when you see that person who's on your last nerve, not just on your nerves, on your last one. Don't say this out loud because it's, it's going to start a fight. But when, when that person is on your last one, you can say to yourself, I can't love you on my own. Don't point either. That, that's, that's rude. I can't. You do the old Bill Clinton. I, I can't love you. I, I, I can't love you on my own. Right? That's pretty good, Arkansas, for this early in the morning. Man, came right on out of there. We, when, when, we, um, when Valerie and I started fostering uh, in 2016, we felt like we were pretty prepared, right? We... I mean, we'd raised kids. I'd been a youth pastor. I'd been a teacher, administrator. She had worked in, in preschools. She had worked eight years as a, a school secretary. So we've been around kids our whole lives. We, we felt like we were about as prepared as you could be. We were wrong. I mean, we just thought like we have this, we know how to love kids. We, we just love them and their problems are going to go away because we love them. And we're going to like each evening we'll maybe sit around uh, roasting marshmallows over the gas logs and we'll maybe sing Kumbaya or something and, uh, and it'll be great. The reality was not quite that. And you really shouldn't roast marshmallows over your gas logs. Um, you say, John, are you telling me that you, you, you weren't good foster parents? <laughs> I wasn't even a good human being in a lot of situations because the stress of that exposed a side of me. <laughs> All the foster parents are nodding. Uh, it exposed a side of me that I didn't like at all. And I would try harder. Um, and it just didn't work for very long because natural love is only going to take you so far. I remember getting to a point one time that I, uh, that I prayed, 
God, you have got to give me love for this kid because I'm done. Like, I, I, I can't parent without love. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that. And I am currently out of love. And I can't tell you exactly when or how. Um, I just know that before I was aware that in the midst of a tantrum or a meltdown or whatever it was that was going on, instead of being so angry, instead of trying to, the control freak in me, trying to um, pitch a bigger fit than they pitched to intimidate them into compliance, I, I, in the midst of that, what I saw was a frightened kid whose circuits were overloaded by whatever was going on on the outside, and they were just stuck on the inside. I had a compassion for them that I had not had before. I had an understanding that I had not had before. There was a love there that I had no capacity to generate. You want to know what being a spirit-filled person looks like? That's it. It starts with love. It, it, it starts with finding the end of yourself and being open to that, being honest about that, and inviting the Holy Spirit into your broken places. It's about trying to stop. Choose your grammar. I, I, I can't get grammar and get this out. It, it's about f- forfeiting your, um, your pride. It's about laying down um, the assumption that you can do some things on your own. You can't. You can't. Being, walking in the Spirit, being, being a, a Spirit-empowered person is about being honest enough to know that you're a failure at a whole lot of things and that unless you surrender those areas to the Holy Spirit, you're just, you're ne- it's never going to get there. Amen. Even when it comes to starting with love, you have to surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit so that He can teach you to love yourself and then He can teach you to love other people as well. People have talked about the changes in me in the last few years. Those changes are the result of the work that the Spirit has done in me as a human being, not as a pastor. It's not been some spiritual revelation of some new knowledge. It's it's the application of the surrendering to the Holy Spirit that, that He's called us to do all along. But you have to come to the end of yourself. You're like, John, why, why does following Jesus have to be so hard? Because he has to break you. Amen. And the more stubborn you are and the more of a control freak you are, the longer it takes and the more it hurts. It's the result of, uh, of the, bro- the brokenness results in the surrender. And you don't have to be a foster parent to come to the end of your capacity to love. Because there are the, the people who are on your nerves and, and, and turn you into somebody that you don't like being, Jesus died for those people too. Amen. And the problem is they expose the unhealed or unsurrendered parts of your own heart. The problem is not them it's you because those are areas that you haven't surrendered to the Holy Spirit. 
at the root of pretty much every problem we have is the need for the love of God to flow into that area. You need to love yourself enough to be healed and helped by the Spirit. Mended for ministry, right? Isn't that what we said a few weeks ago? You need, and you need to love them enough to give them the space to find His grace for themselves. And it's so hard because it's so important. If we can learn to love, it changes everything. It changes everything. And I want you to think about, I want you to think about the people at the center of, um, of your most difficult situations. And uh, Bree or Corey, whoever's going to play, y'all, y'all come on. Whoever's at the most difficult situation in your life, I want you to think about the person in the center of that and ask the Holy Spirit to give you love for that person. Ask them. You know, John, I, sh- I should be able to love them. No, you shouldn't. It's hard. It's beyond the capacity of a human sometimes. Ask God to give you love. And listen, it's what he does. It's what he does. He loves putting the love of God. It's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts the love of God in your heart so you can share it with others. The Holy Spirit will give you love for that difficult person at work or that difficult person at church. Why do you think people change jobs so much? Why do you think people change churches so much? It's because too many times we don't give the Lord the the room to put love in our hearts for those people. And we keep going to try to find people who don't trigger us. You're just not going to find it. You're not going to find it. There's broken people everywhere. So you just have to pray that God gives you the love that maybe if he can heal you, you can help them to heal as well. Maybe the Lord put you there so he could teach you to love instead of run. The Holy Spirit will give you love for that difficult child. How do you think I can drive a school bus? Because <laughs> I ask God to help me love those little knuckleheads. Holy Spirit will give you love for that disappointing spouse. I don't know if they told you all this in the engagement. Marriage is hard. Did anybody sit y'all down and go, you really need to think about this? Anybody sit y'all down and go, listen, it's going to be cool for a little while, but it's going to get real, it's going to get tight fast. And what they don't tell you is that your natural love runs out quick. So there is a stage where you get to where you like, you still cute, but you on my nerves. <laughs> right? Oh, don't act like y'all ain't. Okay, never mind. I see. We're going to preach about lying next week. Y'all ain't to all come. Right, there's a stage where you're like, I think I still love you, but I don't like you right now. Stop trying to love them on your own. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you love for your spouse. A love that surpasses what you've ever felt before and what you're able to do on your own. You're like, but I feel bad about saying that. Don't feel bad. It's what it... It's why the Holy Spirit is here. I have sat with couples, more than one, 
as one of them testifies through tears. I know I should be mad at them for the betrayal and for the lies, but all I have is love. That I know this is not me. There's a love that God is giving me right now in this moment. And it's beyond what I'm capable of. But I know it's what I need. And I've watched as God has healed and restored those marriages. And given them a deep and fresh and committed love for each other. That just could not have happened any other way. That's the power of God's love. The Holy Spirit will give you love for the person who's hurt you the most. We know we have to forgive. You ever talk to somebody who's bitter and who's angry, who's holding a grudge? They know they have to forgive in order to be free and to be healed and to be at peace. But we get overwhelmed by the thought of forgiveness because we have run out of love on our own. The Holy Spirit will give you the love you need to release the person who hurt you the most. Maybe you've lost your passion in ministry. Maybe you've lost your passion in worship. Maybe you've lost any interest in serving or in helping in ministry. Maybe you don't want to read the the Word. Maybe you don't want to pray. Somewhere in there, the root is a lack of love. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with love for His Word. Fill you with with the love of God again. Fill you with a love for His presence, for, for His people. A love for serving. A love for helping. A love to pray. A love for His Word. A love. Just start with love. Start with love. And don't exclude the possibility that the love you need the most is not just the love for others but the love for yourself. John, what's the altar call today? Surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. and Ask Him for the love you need for yourself and for the people who are in your life. Y'all stand with me, please. Don't make this complicated. I've had people talking about, hey, I want to, I want to be a spirit-filled person. I want to surrender to the Lord. I want to, I want to do what He wants me to do. Start with love. Forget about all the other stuff. Start with love right here and right now. Get honest with yourself about your need for the love of God in your life. Corey and the team is going to sing one more song. During that time, if you'd like to come to the altar, please come. These altars are never closed. You come and pray about anything. If you've got a relationship issue, physical need, financial need, whatever's going on, come and pray. But listen, don't, don't just push past this message today. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you the areas of your life where you need to surrender to Him and start with love. Father, Thank you for loving us. Even when we didn't love ourselves, didn't love you, couldn't even understand the concept. And Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you. Lord, we want to be a church that that makes a difference in your kingdom uh, every moment of every day. But God, we know we have to start with your love. And I pray that you help us to do that today. I pray that people get real honest with themselves today 
about their need for you. Lord, I pray that you would transform relationships, that you would heal hearts, that you would set people free as we begin to get a revelation of your love. And Lord, we pray that you, as you transform lives, that you would transform this church, that we can go and do the work that you've called us to do as individuals and as a church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.